Yeah, there it is. When that robot pops in, now it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Yeah, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or maybe you're trying to enjoy some quiet time by yourself. Maybe you're just doing the dishes. Maybe you're walking the dog. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. These awesome folks bring the show to you out of the generosity, out of the goodness of their hearts. They're making the show possible by supporting us. But in exchange, they get some cool stuff, including ad-free episodes, video versions of the show on demand, and bonus content, including an entire season of Feeling This, where Christian Spicer and Alex Solman Talk about the feelings behind video games. Season two, coming soon. And at the Cool Ranch level, oh, you get the paid DLC program, which is our Wednesday show. This Wednesday's show, Christian, I thought was a delight. I thought it was one of our best ones yet. Folks have been uh, loving it. Loving the Wednesday show where Christian Spicer, myself, and Lana Bashinsky, we hang out. We talk about whatever happens to come up. And almost invariably, Get amazing stories from Lana. This week we got just an incredible story about her bout with a coyote. Uh, You're not going to want to miss that. The way to catch that content is to become a patron at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, is the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. The spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's working on his EGOT, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Yeah, buddy. Hey, Jeff. Hey, everybody. Uh, Feeling This Season 2, Episode 1 has happened. I don't know when they're going to release, but that is we have moved past pre-production and we are in production. That's exciting. I think there's maybe going to be a video element for this uh, second season as well and maybe some additional accoutrement in the podcast editing. Seeing this. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you're you're feeling it with your eyes. Ah, um, yes, eye feeling. That's hands good. off, eyes only. Um, so we want to do a scheduled release like we did with season one, where it was Friday. So we're gonna get a, a batch and a you know a bunch in the can before we release them. But it is happening. They are happening, and I fully expect to win all of my. I have zero egots, any of them. So I hope, hopefully, season two will get me all three. The the song I sing at the end of the first episode is a real, really good, really gonna drive it home. Because it hurts. That's, it hurts your ears Tony. so bad. Yeah, that's what you get the crying. Tony for. Yeah. Thank you. Make it stop. Oh, my God. Just give him a Tony. <laughs> it's really good. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, folks loved season one. And again, patron-only content. But at any level, you get you get the uh, you get the feeling this. So check it out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. Hey, we have an awesome episode for you, ladies and gentlemen. Lots to talk about. Really interesting news this week. Some awesome games that we have been playing and 
we have a great guest for you. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh, I am excited because DLC stands for displaying a large collection because we have YouTuber, Twitch streamer, and collector of toys. Aurora Peachy joins us for the first time. Hello, Peachy. How are you? Hi. How's it going, guys? Welcome. Welcome. I I used to host a podcast, so I'm used to saying that. <laughs> well, I like being welcomed. Thank you. There you go. Welcome we to your podcast. Welcomed. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. Uh, I'm I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, mostly jealous <laughs> about your collections, though. Mostly. Oh my mostly, gosh, that was the best mostly... intro ever. Can I say? Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yes, no, I, I have uh, watched a lot of your content and seen uh, the numerous display cases. I've just, uh, we were kind of talking about a pre-show. I've just up, upgraded my my background a little bit. Folks that see the visual version of the show will see. I've just uh, been working on having a little visual flair on my uh, on my video feed in my office, but it's nothing compared to your like, awesome display cases that you have. They're so good. They're so Thank good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's just one of my main passions. What can I say? I like Very it. Very <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, Guest suggestions, whatever you'd like us to know, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you let us know. Uh, or, and in addition to that, you could also become part of our community, which hangs out in two primary locations, including our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, and our Discord, which is an awesome, awesome group of folks. DLC, uh, excuse me, it's 5x5dlc. On Discord as well, I urge you to take part in those communities and, and hang out and share stories about video games and all sorts of cool stuff. But Peach, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I, I liked the uh, Tomb Raider sale to Amazon. Mm. I actually just played Tomb Raider Legend for the very first time like a week ago. Yeah, great game. Great game, love yeah. it. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a a rumor. It fits in the rumor category at the moment, but it, it's looking uh, like it's got some pretty good sources, uh, and it may prove to be true. We may find out. In fact, by the time people hear this, you may we already know. Uh, we may already know uh, that this is accurate. But uh, Embracer Group, which we talked about not very long ago, just in May of 2022, uh, we did a story on the show when Embracer picked up uh, a bunch of studios and a bunch of IP from Square Enix, uh, including the Tomb Raider IP, for a cool $300 million, 50 IP across three studios, including Crystal Dynamics, who is working on the next Tomb Raider uh, Unreal Engine 5 version of the the franchise. Uh, Embracer Group. Gobbling up all those IP, we talked about these this condensing of things, of these purchasing, you know, all these big acquisitions that we've been talking about over the last last you know two or three years. Embracer Group was a big part of that. Well, rumor has it that Amazon came a knocking. We know that Amazon is publishing that next 
edition, that's next episode of Lara Croft's Adventures that uh, Crystal Dynamics is working on, which we thought was kind of weird hearing that Amazon was publishing it. Uh, And now we hear that Amazon is making a Tomb Raider TV series that is going to be penned by uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is amazing if you've ever seen the Fleabag series, which is, I think, a work of genius. She also co-wrote on uh, the latest James Bond movie and has done a lot of uh, her, I think her husband or boyfriend is uh, the guy who who wrote um, one of my favorite movies of the year, uh, The Banshees of Sharon. And if anything gives me hope for Indy 5, it's that she's attached to it. Yes, you know? right. Like she a, was writing on Indy 5, yeah. Everything yes. she's done, right, st- starring, right, everything she's done, I think has turned to gold. And so like, that's this part of the news. Sorry to jump in, where it's like, yeah, I'm in. Where do I where do I push my chips into the center yeah. of this table? Fine. Well, it, it, it yeah. looks like Amazon pushed their chips in because uh, th- this rumor that I'm finally getting to is that <laughs> Amazon swooped in and said, hey, not only do we want to make a TV series, not only do we want to publish this game, but we want Tomb Raider for our own to the tune of $600 million just for the rights to the Tomb Raider franchise, which is evidently the second highest acquisition that Amazon has ever done after the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, IP that it made uh, Rings of Power based on. So if this is accurate, and signs seem to be pointing to yes, it means that Embracer Group, between May of last year and now, flipped Tomb Raider to the tune of $300 million. They played 300. I mean, that's not even accurate because they didn't just buy Tomb Raider for 300 million. They got <laughs> Tomb Raider and 50 other things. And then they just, just, just shave off Tomb Raider and resell it like, uh, like somebody adding a new bathroom to a fixer upper, you know, <laughs> just flipping that house. I hate, I watch HGTV Christian. Don't laugh at me. I know how to do it. You put a new, new can of paint. In the bathroom. There's the people like new bathrooms. Anyway, I'm, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I have COVID right now. So uh, forgive me. My brain is fogged. Anyway, Peachy, what do you make of this? Do you, first of all, as as someone that sounds, it sounds like you're a fan of the Tomb Raider franchise. Do you think this is in good hands? If this is accurate, and secondly, uh, six hundred million. What do you make of that? The the thing I take away most as a Square Enix fangirl mm. is uh, I I just I I hope that <laughs> I hope Square Enix learns from this I hope that they uh, I I just boy I I hope Amazon does does it right because they they've done a lot right and I just hope that they treat the franchise with the respect uh, that it deserves uh, for its fans that's my main thing is I want the fans to be happy. I want them to love anything that they produce. I want it to be produced with respect and love for this character that means so much to people. That's yeah. my main concern. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like uh, anything is changing on, at least with the next game, right? This Crystal Dynamics is still working on that. It's still being published by Amazon. Who knows how much, uh, you know, how many fingers and pies the folks at Amazon are going to get if they now own the IP. But, you know, Crystal Dynamics has a pretty darn good track record with, with the IP. I, I'm still encouraged and very much looking forward to how that game is is going to turn out. Um, but do you think perhaps that there's an opportunity here 
for Amazon going in at such a high number and it's and investing so much in this IP, is there an opportunity for it to be elevated? Do you think this is could actually take Lara and and the whole Tomb Raider franchise to a whole other level? I mean, she's clearly one of the biggest you know characters in all of video game history, but is there another level that that this might get to? If anyone can do it, it's Amazon. I mean, look yeah. at what they did with Lord of the Rings, and a lot of their acquisitions have really turned into some, into some really cool projects. And it's it's absolutely got potential in their hands. So, do you, are you encouraged by this? Or are you are you cautiously optimistic? I I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay. For sure. I, I always want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And uh, with any kind of like if they make like another live action adaption, I'm very much in the camp of uh, enjoy it for what it is. Don't go in with all your expectations on like what she is in the game. Uh, enjoy it and have fun with the spectacle of whatever they make. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's smart. I, I think this um, series could end up being really cool. I mean, I, I loved the Rings of Power series. I thought it was so amazing. It felt like it, it felt bigger than television. You know, it felt bigger than streaming. It was just this oh, massive, yeah. gorgeous event. Every every episode was like an incredible, you know, um, I was going to say Phil Jackson. That's where my brain is tonight. Apologies in advance. Uh, they, not they, Phil they, Jackson. No, no, no. When that ogre came out, they ran the triangle off <laughs> on it. And... Fair, fair. How many rings does Phil have? You know, it works. A lot. And they're They're powerful rings. They're rings of power. Christian, I want to know. I know that Amazon has money to burn because I buy everything through them. So, you know, they have all my money. What was the meeting like where they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We bought this. uh, We bought this uh, just a few months ago for 300 mil. But honestly, we couldn't let it go for anything less than 600 mil. How does (laughs) that work? I don't know if you're asking me or Mark from marketing, but I will give you an answer because yeah. I have a real answer. So I don't even need to have Mark from marketing call in and, and BS their way through it. Um, I I imagine the value comes from owning the IP in terms of the universe they are creating. Embracer Group is they're expanding, uh, you know, sucking up like a Luigi's Mansion, right? Uh, all of the <laughs> ghosts, all of the IPs they're acquiring. But Amazon with Rings of Power has a hit. They have infrastructure to do the thing that so many game studios have tried to do before of creating a cross-media, multimedia franchise. I mean, Dead Space Remake, love that. Talked about it a lot last week. I'm sure we'll talk about it again later. But that launched with like a comic, a tie-in, graphic novel. They're going to be like all these plans, right, for grandeur. And I think what Amazon looking at Tomb Raider and some of this reporting is that they're trying to make the Tomb Raider universe, because everything needs to be a universe now, is... By owning the IP, they can make movies, they can make this TV show, they have the games, and they don't need to worry about any of the licensing problems that might happen if one thing becomes a hit, or another thing becomes too expensive, or this thing falls through. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if, if Phoebe's experience in James Bond was part of this, probably not, but I mean, talk about a nightmare of a licensing situation for studios trying to make something and Amazon owning that part of that studio now, I believe that's correct, but trying to get things done through various rights holders and, and across all media and where can it exist and what streaming platform does it go to and all of that stuff. So I think when you consider that and what their hopes for what Tomb Raider can be, I think it kind of does make sense that it is 
for Embracer Group, it was worth whatever it was worth. And then someone comes along and is like, I, I think we see something here that we can turn this into a billion dollar franchise. and We have the, the pieces to do it. Um, and there was reporting too. It's like DJ two, uh, productions, um, our friend of the show, Dan and their company yep. and the great productions that they've made Sonic among others, like the pieces seem there that it does seem good for embracer for, you know, flipping the house, uh, sell it or keep it or what's flip it or keep it. I don't know. I don't watch as much. HBO Love it or listed. I believe is what you're referencing. They're, dang. Nailing it. Totally yeah. different concept. Um, you know, you know, you and I, Christian, we're like a couple of property brothers. In that we don't talk about our third brother at all, then we are in fact a couple of property brothers. Um, so I think that in that regard, it makes a lot of sense. And I think Amazon has proven, a, you know, as you mentioned, Rings of Power. Where did they put that money on screen? You know, so if if they're going to do that with Tomb Raider and it's going to have that look of quality and all that stuff put into it, sign me up. I'm all for it. I I think there's a lot of potential here, and they're saying or leaking uh, all all of the right things about this project so far. Yeah. Uh Michi, I we've we've seen we've seen the the uh Tomb Raider franchise be turned into films, right? We had uh we had the Angelina Jolie series of films, we had the Alicia Vikander uh more recent series of films. I don't know how you feel about those. I actually thought the uh Alicia v, uh, Alicia v, Vikander uh version was actually pretty strong. Um but do you think that there is um, a version of this character for cinema, for television, that is markedly different than what we've seen before? Or, or what are you hoping for out of a television series based on this character? Uh, I think with uh, the recent success, even though it's a different studio, um, of The Last of Us television adaption, which right. has just been raving the reviews have been ravingly positive and i like i think if they if they take from all of the good adaptions that there's been recently um it, it can really be fantastic and and they can keep lara very uh faithful to her video game counterpart or they could take it in a different direction but it has to come from a place of love and it has to come from a place of understanding why she's so lovable, why she's so memorable and iconic, what made her that way. Go back to her origins, go back to those older games like Legend and, and, and you know, even way back and keep her true to that. But you can expand on her character as well, mm. as, as long as they stay true to what the fans love about her and her personality. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that the, I think it's actually an opportunity uh, with the character in the sense that I I don't know if a movie is actually the best vehicle for this character. I feel like something episodic where you can have different kinds of adventures every week and, you know, have a longer drawn out, you know, more. It just feels like seeing her doing something new, something different in each episode might actually work better than just kind of one big, you know, tentpole st style blockbuster. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful for it. I just think it's it's astonishing the the number that Amazon ponied up for this, especially because it was sold so recently. And you know, if you're Square Enix, you got to be like, we could have gotten how much for what now? <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, you know me, that's that's like me. I, you know, I sold my house, and then you know, three months later, I'm like, how much is my house worth now? 
Oh, okay. That's because Square Enix spent years saying, Studio's a disappointment. Franchise underperformed. Nobody likes it. Did not live up to expectations. Yeah. Meanwhile, Embracer Truth. Group is probably like, hey, it's got three bathrooms now. This Tomb Raider. <laughs> Have you seen this? this? This Tomb over here. Three bathrooms, baby. We love it, and we're going to list it. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Um, so I commented about this last week about maybe it was on the Wednesday show. Where I was like, did you, did you all get a whole bunch of emails today? I feel like 2023 started in earnest today. And this is like when everything happens and is happening. And, and I think you were like, okay, buddy. And then I was like, okay, buddy. And then we did 10 minutes of, of a run on buddy. It must've been a Wednesday show. Um, but 2023 has happened. Business is happening. And my story of the week is, um, dead service games i guess we need to call them now they're oh, no longer because they're called live service games and mm-hmm. see what you did i see what you did thank you yeah it's a it's an old phil jackson move um <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually yeah. joshua jackson used to do that all the time on the set of dawson's <laughs> creek um and this past since we've done the last main show nine live service games um have announced their end that's a lot um, nine and, and some some big ones and some ones close to your heart jeff so the list is apex legends mobile battlefield mobile but neither of those actually were made right like battlefield mobile didn't actually happen did it or did it i'm pretty sure it happened i played apex i liked apex i think battlefield mobile was uh not hadn't ever come out but i could be wrong about that anyway keep going Crime site Crossfire X, including its single player campaign that was developed by Remedy. It also is uh, going away. Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Daya, A Hero's Bonds. Echo VR, which was uh, yeah. the one close near and dear to your heart. It's the multiplayer component of Lone Echo that is, was broken out as its own game. So cool. Yeah, it was like Ender's Game, the video game. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. Knockout City, that I'm going to say recently, but not too recently but had awesome tmnt collaboration and uh a lot of folks still really liked and it launched as a paid game then went free to play we talked about it on this show how much we like yeah uh love live school idol festival and but then this tweet comes from um gimetsu who posted this list and like that one doesn't really count i kind of agree um but then the big one i hope gabe's not listening even though gabe already knows uh, from a couple weeks ago singing its praises Rumbleverse. Yeah, Gabe Patillo was just on the show talking about how it was his game of the year. Yeah. Rumbleverse has has rumbled its last rumble, and that one, I think, was the most bittersweet of the blog posts. A lot of these posts were like the black, you know, uh, two-tone, monotone background with white text on it. It was like, we've loved giving you this game, but it's time to do. But Rumbleverse's blog post, that got me in the feels. (laughs) It's like, we want to bring you more rumble, more. And I was just like, oh, no, not like this. Oh, I mean, the, bad, yeah, man. the, the uh, rumble verse, what, Velen Studios, right? There's, or, oh, no, I'm sorry, I mean, Knockout City. No. Knockout yeah, City, yeah. they also was, was very, uh, like, despite over 12 million players, well, we, yeah. can't, we, can't pl- we can't make this anymore. It's like, oh, it's a bummer. Uh, rumble versus post, I didn't think was that bad, but the video was like, Okay, now I'm crying, but I didn't know there was a video. The, the uh, Rumbleverse is Iron Galaxy, and like been through Epic, and their their blog post about it was just, you know, it's not goodbye. And I'm like, it's not goodbye. I'll see you soon. Um, but man, it, 
I don't know. There's there's a lot going on, and I don't know, Peachy, if you have any of these that were like big for you or jumped out at you, or if we just all need to hold our live service games that we do love close because <laughs> oh, they might leave us at we moments do. notice. You never know when they're going to leave you, and it's they're so short lived nowadays. And they, but they keep doing it. Why do they keep breaking our hearts? Well, why did they do it? This to me feels like the uh, the next iteration of the you know MOBA and then before that it was MMOs right it's like these these big huge games come out and they make tons of money and then everybody's like I gotta get into that game I need me an MMO I need me a MOBA you know generations apart obviously or you know whatever years apart but wait hold on me I I, we need a MOBA me a MOBA sounds like it's some form of MOBA we need a me a MOBA what's a me a MOBA you've never played the me a MOBAs oh it's when you (laughs) that's Nintendo Nintendo Wii's right (laughs) put your me in it in a MOBA they brawl (laughs) the me's it's a me a MOBA Um, (laughs) the it just feels like this kind of thing where's this this gold rush where it feels like okay here's this new hotness Everybody rushes to it and goes, this is how you make money in the video game space. And just because it always works out this way, there are very few that rise to the top. There are very few that are the mega hits, right? And those mega hits suck up all the money. And there's a lot of losers, unfortunately. And it's a bummer, but it does feel like live service is... is problematic because not only are we losing a lot of these games uh and obviously you know quite expensive to keep going you know it's not like you just put a game out and you can move on to the next thing and you make that money and then you move on to the next thing you got to keep this machine churning but these games are gone like there's no there's no universe i I guess one of them i think knockout Knockout city City. there's they're saying you can have private servers on on pc Yeah, but you also, need you need friends uh, to like. You can't just pop into a game and hope there's people there. You have a private server means you got to invite sixteen yeah. friends or however many it is. Um, so and Avengers, not long before this, I mean that's you know big IP uh, that also didn't make it. Um, it kind of got it now to distinction down this year. It, it and then I think someone in chat mentioned, but th- like Counter Strike, Team Fortress. Uh, Still going. I know they're not live service games, but I you mean, have the, these. Some of these stalwarts are like, yeah, welcome rookie. <laughs> See you uh, later. I, you know, I went through this with Heroes of the Storm, right? Yeah, the, that was the game that I fell in love with, and it, you know, got abandoned. Uh, set out on the porch, you know, and just <laughs> left. Uh, no and one brought it to the fire station. Exactly. No, uh, no <laughs> we fire found station. This MOBA. We found this MOBA. Will you get yeah. it home? <laughs> um, it, and it's it's one of those things where these kinds of games really are lost. There's no way to experience them anymore. You they they had a brief wonderful lifetime and that's it. And Peachy, I'm wondering how you feel about that. I mean, obviously the whole the whole draw to a live service game is that you really do invest a lot into it because you're there all the time. It's growing. It's it's adapting. There's new content all the time. You're playing it much more frequently than you would play other games. And then to be not know it's it's future to, to have that just disappear and be gone. That's a hard pill to swallow. 
The worst part is that's how they're designed, especially if they have gotcha elements yeah. where you're pumping all of this money in to build up your account and get through the content that's purposefully made slow so that you keep logging in and get your energy and just all the, you know, all that mobile game stuff. And it's it's so sad because it's like now with so many of them going under, it's like, you know, you're probably going to lose all of that. Yeah. And I, I was affected. I've been affected very directly by this with the Kingdom Hearts series. And they had two mobile games. One of them went for a long, long time. And um, COVID kind of just messed everything up. And, uh, you know, so much, so much stuff got shut down. But um, they had a long running mobile game uh, that got shut down the same year that their second, uh, their second live service mobile game um, got shut down after about a year. And the the sad thing about it for me, someone who loves like the lore of the series, is there was a story they were trying to tell in the game that related to the rest of the series. And the creator, this, this was a, a story, and, and for those in the know, I'm talking about Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. Um, there was a story that the creator really wanted to tell, and this game was his opportunity to tell it. And it got shut down after, I, I think it was about 13 months. And luckily, he was allowed to do a final update. And it wasn't even like playable. It was just like cutscenes. But they uh, actually, <laughs> no, I, I, I apologize. I think, it, I think it was playable. But Just a text document like, here's how yeah. it ends. <laughs> no, there was full cutscenes. They, they really went all out with it. And he was very lucky that he got that because there was nothing for them to gain because the live service part had been shut down already. And it was playable offline, but there was no money in it for Square Enix to gain. So it was very lucky that he got to tell the rest of his story. That might yeah. not have happened. Right. And the, the thing is, they're about to do it again with a third mobile game, Kingdom Hearts Missing Link. And it's just like, is this going to survive? I truly do not know. And I'm scared for it. And it's a great point. And I, you know, uh, Christian, I, I wonder if this might dissuade uh other companies it, it it feels like this is the way everything is going is like we got to be in that live service game and have literally long tails and all our, what? it was our news about ubisoft like last week right exactly. they were like this is this is all we do now <laughs> yeah everybody need, uh, wants to be on this long tail uh a game that keeps on giving monetarily keeps has ways to engage with the audience over very very long term Everybody wants that, but it feels like it, there, you know, there are very few winners and a lot of also rans. And is it is it possible that this will dissuade some publishers? That the the low success rate here is. Uh, can we hope for that? I mean, is that something we should hope for? Is I guess the better question. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is hard and it's tricky. I, I feel like the other part of this for me is, you know, looking back to what early 2022 a year ago and like imagine if all of these games were web three games, right? Because there was all the flurry about that. Like, oh, look, every, you're going to be engaging with it every day and you're going to own your stuff. And then now it's like, you know, record scratch, freeze frame. Yeah, that was me last year. <laughs> and I thought these things could last forever. Yeah. And I, I hope that it's kind of a stark reminder that one, most of our games and the way we interact with things now is, you know, least enjoyment, uh, lessy, least or lessy, not least as in lowest. Um, we're renting our enjoyment of it. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying because I did not follow that at all. Yeah. yeah L E A S E D enjoyment. Yes. 
Yes, yes. Rented enjoyment. Yeah. And even if things are promised as to keeping them this, that, and the other, or as Peachy mentioned, this incredible story, um, it's it's hard because you don't you don't get to necessarily experience that. And so I think there is oddly some beauty in the idea of like, I really need to like this thing now. And I need to invest in this now, in this moment now, knowing that this is might all be this might be all I'll ever get. And yeah. anything after tomorrow after today isn't promised. And I think there's something like beautiful about that, but I know that that's not how the games are trying to position themselves. <laughs> the ephemeral um, nature of digital products. Yeah, yeah. A poem this is by it. Christian this is we have. Exactly. It exists. It's improv. Everything is improv. It exists only here and you as you experience it. I uh, and then it's gone. I I would be remiss probably in if I didn't point out that your analogy with the web 3.0 thing I think I am not one but those who are big proponents of that technology would point out I think that that's exactly why they want it to take hold is because if you have ownership if you have this thing that persists that isn't owned by anyone that exists in this untethered place called the blockchain uh that you could potentially take that you have your your digital doodad and if the game doesn't exist anymore somebody else can make a game that uses your digital doodad uh, that you own uh that's the whole point of it i'm not saying that that's gonna ever happen or work but that's the idea i don't think that's the idea and and, uh i'll i'll relinquish my uh, soapbox here uh, in just a second. Uh, I don't even think that's the idea with IP ownership. I think those are a bunch of lies and snake oil salespeople promising things that never existed, never were never understood to exist and can't exist under our legal intellectual property ownership framework and also the way code works uh, for using digital items and other... Oh, sweet. I own this Mario uh, you know, Web3 thing. Now I'm going to add it to Spotify. No, <laughs> it's just not. Anyway, I will back off but I hear you, dear listeners, who are maybe saying, Jeff, thank you for saying what I was thinking. And you can email me at christian.spicer at gmail.com, and I will have that longer discourse with you. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I just thought I should point that out because you were making the analogy. Anyway, um, it is it is uh, disheartening to see how many games are just biting the dust right now. And uh, as we said, some games that we really like and, and are really fun, but this, you know, it's... Uh, it's problematic in that the the whole notion of a game that only exists as this live service, well, live service, it, there's no game that's going to last forever. No game that's going to last forever. So it, it, it worries me. Um, I'm, I'm torn about my story of the week, to be frank. Uh, I, I really, um, my heart wants to talk about Respawn uh, potentially canceling another Titanfall game, uh, which I was hoping for because I love Titanfall too. Christian, you and I both scream from the the mountaintops about how much we love Titanfall too, and it it got short shrift when it was released. And I think it's an underappreciated game. And uh, it, there's a rumor Bloomberg reporting that uh, Respawn or at least EA canceled it, uh, canceled whatever the next Titanfall game that Respawn was working on. And also delayed uh, Jedi Survivor. But I think the more interesting conversation is this James Gunn news 
coming out of uh, Warner Brothers and the DCU. James Gunn, of course, the uh, filmmaker, famous for making the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies and the Suicide Squad movies, um, or one of them, uh, and now is handling all of the the DC cinematic universe, the this the handling the reins of all of the DC superheroes as they will play out across uh, multiple films going forward. He had a press conference recently saying that, hey, not only are we making a shared universe in the same way that Marvel has done with our next slate of films, starting with a Superman film, I think in 2025, a reboot of Superman, which will not have Henry Cavill, but that shared universe of movies will also extend into video games. So the video games are part of the shared universe. He says, oh, we're going to cast actors who will also do the voices in the video games. They're going to look the same. Uh, a video, if you watch the Superman movie in 2025, it's not that there's going to be an, uh, an also a Superman movie that comes out or a Superman video game that comes out alongside the movie, but maybe a character that was in the movie will have a video game and it references stuff that happens in the movie and it's all shared universe. And so the story continues over, across multiple media types, a pan media universe of DC superheroes. Peachy, I would like to know if you think that sounds good. I think if they can pull it off, I think uh, the concept is fantastic. My concern with it is uh, kind of what was uh, addressed um, was the pressure it puts on the voice actors in the gaming space who aren't actors. Right. Because there are fantastic voice actors in that space that, that are, that are trained and seasoned and that's what they do. And that's, that's their specialty and, and they're loved for it. And my only caveat would be, I would hate to see them be uh, overshadowed by a big name in Hollywood because they can be on the screen as the superhero as well. And I'm looking yeah. at you, Mario movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Good point. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I'll be talking about it in the playlist. I, I you know, I've been playing the, the Deadpool DLC for Midnight Suns, which of course is not Ryan Reynolds. It's a lot of fun. Um, well, speaking hmm? of Midnight Suns, we had a reply to this story or to this idea from uh, Jake Solomon, who I believe was the director of Midnight Suns, creative director, worked on on the Midnight Suns team, saying, uh, this would have been a nightmare for us on Midnight Suns. I understand the desire, I think, but movies and games are so, so different. And the pressure this puts on the amazing voice actors in the game space, different universes, and that's how they should, will stay. And then elaborated by others is this idea of, you know, movies take three years to make, four years to make, whatever it is. Video games, it's been over nine since Retro's had a game come out, Retro Studios. I think it's Tropical Freeze was their last one. It's been X number, you know, between, um, uh, golly, why is my brain just totally, oh, uh, Gears Five Coalition, there it is. Holy yeah. crap! Well, it took well, too long. I mean, talk about talk about a a, a DC superhero. I mean, with Suicide Squad just got delayed again, right? Yeah. yeah. So, how and, long has it been since uh, you know the last uh, um, 
game from them. I, why can't I think of the name? And Rocksteady. Rocksteady, and you, thank you. And tying these things together, you know, I think Black Widow got COVID again, as Peachy mentioned earlier, um, for some games and, and the problems it caused. But like because Marvel had this whole universe, Black Widow needed to come out. <laughs> and so it came out as like, I think it was like the $20 to rent yeah. VOD before it hit Disney+. Plus. And that was kind of the only way to get it. And then there was a lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. But like when you have all of this stuff working together, even if it is a side story, I think James Gunn mentioned like a crypto, you know, crypto, the dog game comes out. Maybe that's all fine and well and good. But are you not going to do games with the big main stars? Because if you do, I mean, I, I, I agree with Peachy. I think this sounds great if they can pull it off. And I guess James Gunn has only he has games experience. So if anyone understands what it takes, I guess maybe it's him, but this Jeff, this feels T U F F. Yes. Difficult, high level of difficulty to pull off. And also I, it feels limiting in, 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 in a lot of ways. Like the, you just can't make video games unless they fit into the, I mean, the, the good side of this from my perspective is hey, it's cool that the video game acknowledges the story that I'm already invested in, right? You can play the, you know, if Marvel had was doing this, you'd play the game that acknowledges that Thanos snapped and people were gone for three years. And there's all of that richness of story that I'm already familiar with and I know, and all of that stuff happens, has happened and people talk about it. And your story is is involved in the same way. And some cool moment from a movie is is brought up or whatever. That's I think that's neat in the sense that it all feels alive and connected and like one big tapestry. And I love that. I love how I can watch the you know the uh, WandaVision TV show and it it matters when I go and watch Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? I, all of that stuff, it's cool. It's cool that that is interconnected. We talked about how difficult it is just because video games are a crazy different kind of beast. But I think the 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 bigger point is hey, we've seen this before. Do you remember when the same company, Warner Brothers, was like the Matrix video games are canon. The Matrix video games are canon. And then Morpheus died in the video game. <laughs> and that was the way Morpheus died. If only I, there was a gif about things not happening that way from that <laughs> franchise. It would be applicable here. Um, I think this is uh I think this is the recipe for disaster. And and it's a bums me out. I wanna be I wanna be I wanna believe, you know? I wanna believe, but uh I'm I'm on uh, Jake Solomon's side on this one, where it just it just feels like James Gunn is biting off more than he needs to in, in doing this, and it feels like, man, what kind of games are we going to get? Does that mean you know? It just feels like it limits the kinds of games we can have. I, right. I guess the exception. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Peachy. No, I. I you said it before as i was thinking it that it's only going to limit the video game it's they're going to have to work inside a canon that maybe is not going to work for a player interactive experience and the, the game you know 
it, it's going to have to take some real talent and some real care to get it to fit together. Yeah. And then you're always going to have uh, the fans of the movies who aren't fans of the video game for whatever reason. You're going to have it's just setting up arguments between that. Oh, well, I don't accept the games as canon. I don't care what they say. And it it can on, I can only see some turbulence. And video games work differently than movies. You know, if crypto is in a video game, crypto is probably going to kill like 400 bad guys <laughs> in the course of that video game, right? Or yeah. maybe not kill, but dispatch, you know? The Last of Us is a great example of it on HBO now. And like in the first, you know, just covering what the show's covered in the first chapter of The Last of Us video game, Joel kills a lot of stuff in the first <laughs> yeah. chapter of the TV show. Not a lot of Joel kill, like killing takes an emotional toll. That's yeah. the point of the human condition in the game. It's like, no, the gameplay loop is I crab walk everywhere and I kill everything. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, yeah. I think the possible exception here, and I'll use air quotes because he did kind of mention this for films is I guess that like the Suicide Squad game or some of these other games, they could label Elseworld games. Where like what's the, the point? 2 is still happening. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But we could, I everything know. is going to align. I don't except, know. Except for this stuff over here, which is totally not going to align because we couldn't figure out how to make it work. Except That's... Joker 2 because it made a billion dollars in Joker, or, you know, or what? It's like, I don't know. I don't know, but. It just feels like what's what's the. Does that actually make anything better? I don't know. I guess it's cool if you're just having one big shared story that's ongoing, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I feel like this is just setting up for disappointment. It feels like, like a ploy to get people who play the games to watch the movies and vice versa. Like, hey, give us yes. your money for both sides. Yes. I think that is accurate. I think that is a very good point. And, but it also is like, if there's a big plot, thing that happens in a video game and we're waiting on a movie that's going to reference that plot point that happened hey no movie is going to reference the plot point of the video game by the way it, it, no when did that happened i didn't know that character died no no it was an hour 65 of, <laughs> yeah. uh, yes right of elden soups elden soup hour 65 <laughs> yeah if you bought the dlc and got the battle pass <laughs> so good it's so good yeah Good luck with everything, James Gunn. I, I believe in, I think he's a brilliant dude um, and a great filmmaker. And I, I, I'm rooting for this to work. But just everything I hear is just like, oh man, it's cleaning up a huge mess. But, but, but then it's like, well, these are kind of unforced errors. You know? I feel like this was, they had the press conference and everything was going great and they knocked it out of the park. And then someone was like, what about video games? Like, That's our press conference. And James was like, no, no, no. I got this. I got this. Hold my beer. But yeah. the other thing is like, you know, you guys are, so you guys are doing a uh, a shared universe just like Marvel? No, not just like Marvel. You know what we're doing? It just feels like having to one up, you know, like they yeah. wouldn't, they don't have the guts to do video games. <laughs> Marvel. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get, uh, let's get to the games that we have been playing this week. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace has been sponsoring the show since our very start nine years ago. And I'm so grateful. Uh, JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace, low those many years ago, and uh, still uh, is housed there. But Squarespace now has become, has continued to evolve over its life. It's always been a great place to build a website, make a beautiful looking website that stands out from the crowd. And it is still that. 
But Squarespace is also the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with that beautiful website that's so easy to make, but now you can also engage with your audience and sell things, anything, your products, the content you create, even your time. Because Squarespace has a whole bunch of tools that make it simple for you to monetize, for you to create things, build your brand. They have stuff like member areas that uh, make it easy for you to monetize your content and your expertise in a way that fits with your brand. Uh, The member areas let you unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up your time by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. And they even have a way for you to make the videos right there in the Squarespace Video Studio app, which lets you make engaging videos and share them, tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. You don't have to go anywhere else. Squarespace has everything you need. Building an online store, it's just a few clicks with Squarespace. Whether you're selling physical or digital products, Squarespace has everything you need, the tools that you need to start selling online quickly and easily. Then they have analytics uh, that uh, give you insights to help grow your business. You can learn where your site visits and sales are coming from and analyze which channels are most effective. You can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or your most popular products and content. It's all built in and it's so simple. So check it out yourself. Go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your site, you can use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, that's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You get yourself a free trial. And then Jeff sent me as the promo code for 10% off. Thanks to Squarespace for being with us for so, so long. All right, let's talk about the games that we've been playing in the playlist. Aurora Peachy, what is on your playlist? What have you been playing lately? I've been playing Forspoken. Yes, I have been watching you play Forspoken. You, I, my understanding you? is that you like the game quite a, quite a bit. I love it. I know it got mixed reception even before it came out, but I am absolutely adoring it. Awesome. I love hearing that. Oh, tell, me, tell me what you like about it. The best part is uh, just the gameplay. The combat is super fun. Getting to run around at incredibly high speed and doing this parkour that is just so, so fluid and easy. Like you're doing all of these crazy flips and stuff on, on screen. And like, I'm literally holding down a button and running. (laughs) And I, I feel like magical because like I'm sitting here in my chair with my controller, you know, and then, and she is just going crazy on screen. And it's, uh, it's so much fun. Like I, I want to play more right now. <laughs> no, obviously a lot of the the criticism have been people criticizing the the writing and the sort of quippy nature of the main character, the story itself. Do you have any issues there or how do you how do you feel about that layer of the game? 
I think I think uh, it's another case of people not giving it a chance. And and I understand people not liking that snarky dialogue. There's a lot of swearing and you're putting that into an extreme fantasy world. And, and it's juxtaposing two different worlds, almost two different genres entirely and mashing them together. And I can totally understand that it's not people's cup of tea, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it doesn't work because yeah. I I think it does work very well. Uh, however, I am coming from someone who loves the Life is Strange series, which has that exact kind of dialogue, the the cursing and stuff. And so I have, over the course of the Life is Strange series, which is fantastic, um, it, it's, I'm, I've kind of got used to loving character developing a love for characters that are like that because the the characters in that series are very lovable. And so it's taking life is strange and jamming it into a high fantasy series like horizon or the witcher. And that's definitely not going to gel with everybody. Uh, I get that, but I love it. It's interesting. You know, I, I started playing it a little bit this week as well. I got a code uh, and um, was able to jump in and check it out. I haven't, been able to get terribly far into it but i did you know i did experience the the beginning which i think is a lot of where the clips that i've seen online are coming from and sort of that that initial fish out of water moment where you have our main character you know taken from a very urban environment and i believe new york city and and then thrust into this crazy fantasy world and she's you know she's talking to this uh, this bracelet this magical bracelet that she gets and and they're having dialogue back and forth and there's a lot of you know not believing where she is. I w- if I hadn't heard the hubbub online, I would never have. It would never have jumped out at me as being something weird or different or even mentionable. It just it it just feels like yeah, this is how you would write scenes like that. I, I I'm I was kind of baffled at the level of. Um, intensity you know and a lot of people you know point that out as as the main character is not a white male and so a lot of white males are uh, interpreting it in in a way that's uh less than favorable but to me i I, you know my more my objection with the game is that it just kind of looked flat and not very visually impressive for a ps5 exclusive 70 dollar game um but you know i'm not far enough into it to comment on you know it kind of takes you slowly into this world. There's a lot, a lot of setup, which I think is great. I think that's a really interesting investment in the character and the world. And I thought the dialogue was fine. I, I, I was not, I was not, I thought some of it's actually pretty charming and well, well written. Yeah. I, I have my concessions about the game for sure. And even in chat, I'm seeing people saying, you know, pointing out some things that I don't disagree with. Um, but it, it's the, I think a lot of the, uh, criticism online uh, is coming from a place of um, it's an easy target, things taken out of context, you know, just from a trailer. And yeah, it does sound really bad if you're just taking, you know, if you're just highlighting those those things, those those pieces of dialogue that you don't, you're not getting it in context yeah. with the world. 
And uh, like I said, you know, I, I'm about, I, I think, halfway through the game now. And I have some concessions. I think the story could be a lot better. I think, you know, some of the characters could have a little bit more growth at this point. But we'll see where it goes. And, you know, I, I'm I'm enjoying it for the uh, experience. I think the spectacle, the the effects. I think it's a beautifully, visually beautiful game. Um, I agree with you. The environments could be, um, could, could use some work. Uh, it gets a little samey after a while but you are also speeding by at that super top speed past yeah. a lot of it <laughs> so i get that but yeah so it's got it's good and it's bad it's not the greatest game ever but i i'm having a blast with it that's great I, i'm i'm you know it's it's been such this weird lightning rod of, of attention for spoken and you know two weeks in the row now we've had uh folks on talking about how much they're enjoying it and and uh and, and i think for very different reasons you know last, our guest last week is very technical gamer and thought the mechanisms were, you know, very strong. And I think you're, uh, you're talking more about the overall feeling that you get of being in this world and, and being transported to, you know, that place and that feeling of movement and flow. So um, it sounds like the game has a lot going for it. And and I'm, I'm excited to play more myself um, and see if it, it grabs me as well. I see that you also have been playing uh, Harvestella. Uh, another Square Enix joint. Another Square Enix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just, they, what can I say? They just keep giving me their games. Um, <laughs> that is, Harvestella is one that I did not expect to grab me as hard as it has. I, I'm I'm like 140 hours in achievement farming at this point. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and granted, it's everything I love. It's a Square Enix RPG slash farming simulator. Right. So it's, oh my gosh, like, hello. <laughs> Those are my games. Um, but wow, is it charming and beautiful and addicting and, uh, the music is incredible and it's got that one more day mechanic. You're like, it's 1am and you're like, you know, just one more day, just one more day. And you know, my, my peaches will be grown and I can harvest them and sell them and buy this thing that I need to upgrade to <laughs> do this dungeon and one more day, one more so, day. So and then it's 3am. <laughs> Is is this basically Final Fantasy meets Stardew Valley? Is that yes. that's kind of what it looks like? Yeah. Yes, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> so you're 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 building your farm, you're harvesting your crops, you're doing all the Stardew Valley stuff, and then you go and actually do RPG stuff as well. Yeah, it's got a whole job system and classes. You can swap classes in the middle of combat. You have different weapons and party members you can upgrade. There's there's a very robust story, a very epic scale classic square enix jrpg story attached to it all as well it went places i did not expect it to go this game christian were you even aware of this this game came out and i didn't even i had not even heard of it it came out in november and i had no idea this game existed until you came on the show uh which shows you how many games come out at that time but um this looks like a uh it looks like if if square enix hadn't made it a fan might have you know (laughs) yeah yeah, it, uh, I think the visual style, I remember seeing part of the, I think it's the overworld in a trailer, because I thought the overworld, if I'm not mistaken, kind of has a almost that 2.5D-ish, like uh, a shallow depth of field around stuff when you're when you're traversing, I think, the larger map. And I was like, oh, they're, and I think this was announced before, um, oh my gosh, what am I thinking of? The, the first, the Switch 2D, 2.5D game that they're doing. Octopath? Octopath, yeah. I thought I saw a trailer for this before I saw the Octopath 2 trailer. Anyway, I was like, oh, they're bringing that back. And then 
this obviously wasn't that, but I, what I found striking about it visually, and maybe the whole game's not this way, but it seemed like the environments all had very strong color palettes associated with them that gave you a sense of place in the way. It's like, oh, we're, this is going to be just pastels, but that's not the whole game. Then you get to another area and it looks this way. Um, but I also know that my kids are, um, they got a couple mortgages in Disney Dreamlight Valley. You know, the <laughs> Ursula is mean. And, you know, so we have our, and Animal Crossing has not relented. So our uh, lifestyle sim, um, you know, they pay their bills while I pay mine. Uh, <laughs> Harvestella did not make the cut. But I think the beauty of this kind of game, and, and Peachy, I'm curious kind of your thoughts on this as we were talking about the stories at the beginning, is that this is a game that has those almost infinite hours. And that will hopefully be there whenever my kids are ready for it. Unlike the live service games, that won't be, you know, at some point. Like, this is a game that you can find whenever and and have all of that content there for you ready to play. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no online component, so they're not going to, like, stop service for any part of it. it it's a contained single-player game. Yeah, that's great. And Tilt Shift, chat is telling me, hey, idiot, it's called Tilt Shift. Uh, thank you. I, I am an idiot. I, don't, I was like, the shallow depth of fieldy thing when it looks kind of like, yeah. yeah, giving it that uh, miniaturized kind of look. I love stuff like that. So 130 hours, Peachy, that's, you've got 130 <laughs> hours in Harvestella? Mm-hmm. I've got about like f- a handful of achieve- Steam achievements left before I 100% it. <laughs> going for them, huh? I, I'm going for it. it. It's just fun. I don't want to stop playing. I finished the story. I got married and I just, I'm, I want more. That's amazing. Well, you got married in the game or in real I life? I got married in, in the game. Oh, okay, okay. I've, I've been married in real life for 10 years, so but oh, okay, I got my, right. you know, you got to have your anime husbands. <laughs> yeah, right, yes, so. you got to have your anime. I didn't know if you were telling me, like, I got married and I was still playing this. or <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, that's Harvestella, uh, and it is, uh, I'm looking at it here on Steam. Uh, it's also on consoles, I'm guessing. Um, the game I think I'm so, not yeah. even aware of. Crazy. Uh, Christian Spicer. What is on your playlist? The thing I can talk about um, this week, I want to talk, and what I want to talk about is Hitman World of Assassination, which is the relaunch slash rebrand of Hitman 3. IO Interactive um, continues, again, kind of going back to that live service game, the amount of content and quality and free updates that they have given Hitman three over the years and, and just general content and support. And I think in general, the prior Hitmen, Hitmans, Hitmans, it's just, it's just Agent 47. The other entries in that franchise, um, I think are stellar. And now by wrapping this Hitman three, where you used to have content of one and two in it, if you owned those games, you could bring that content forward and play it in this engine. But with the world of assassination, they are making it, all one game like that's the game now right like that's that's the game that you can play and has all this content and they also introduced freelancer mode and that's what brought me back to the yard and got me to i'm not gonna lie i never uninstalled it from my hard drive but to fire it up again and to air quote reinstall it i don't know if our listeners have been following hitman 3 and its evolution and and its content drop um or what freelancer mode is but freeman For those who don't know, freelancer mode is a rogue-like element added to Hitman where you are needing to take out the syndicate crime bosses and you play through levels 
in a choose your own adventure progression of picking which syndicate you want. You need to do sub levels before you get to then a bigger boss. You take them out and you work your way through. But because it's that rogue type of game, if you done mess up, it's not like single player Hitman where you reload a save and fire up it again. It's nope, you're dead. Start a new run. You lose this equipment, start a new run. But wait, there's more. Also, these other bad guys heard about what you didn't doing over there. And now those levels are going to be harder because they know there's an assassin out there trying to kill them. And you're doing it as your own handler, basically, where you have your own safe house and you're building things and you, you're given a dossier, you know, sometimes limited information, sometimes more about what you're going to be doing in this world. And so then the things that you are able to take home from successful runs, you can spec uh, gear spec appropriately and be like, okay, I'm going to need, I want this. I, I'm going to need poison. I think I want for this and I want this and I want this. And you go out and then you get randomly spawned into the environment. So you might have the best laid plans and then spawn in the police station. And you're just like, oh crap. I brought a turkey costume to the police station. This is not going to go well. So it's, it, it is a hard mode for Hitman 3 and in my skill level, brutally hard. <laughs> but I am loving it. Jeff, I know really? you texted about Hitman. I think you might have fired it up again for that DLSS 3 goodness. I did. But freelancer mode? I was like, oh, I'll just die. I want to see what this is like. I'm, you know, shy of ten, but over five hours in. I won't say how many successful runs that is. <laughs> Zero. But it is. <laughs> no, there's been some. I said I won't say, Jeff. Gosh, come on. Um, it, it is. I would. So, you're right. Ahead. I did uh, load this back up to see the DLSS three of it all. Um, and I'm going to talk a lot more about DLSS three. I. I am convinced DLSS 3 is the most impactful visual upgrade since HDR. Like it is. What about DLS 3? Like I called it for two weeks. That's not a thing. That's not, a, <laughs> that's not anything. Um, anyway, but I, I, uh, I tabbed over to that freelancer mode. Cause you were like, Oh, the freelancer mode. And uh, I read the instructions on how to play it. And I was like, that's, I'm not, I can't, that's oh. not me. I it, very I intimidated. I was very I intimidated. I love it. Yeah, it's it's hard. What I find, I guess, refreshing about it is that so many of the rogue type, rogue light or like games that I have found myself playing are faster paced. Mm. And but then that's also part of it. Rogue Legacy, Hades, uh, the other ones, uh, Dead Cells. <laughs> They're like fast paced action combat games that have that rogue right. type element into it, light or like. And Hitman Freelancer is not that. So I found that refreshing of like the added pressure of the perma loss you know kind of status alongside my slowly walking around where my kids came in like what are you doing and i'm like i'm sitting on a park bench so i can listen to this couple's conversation <laughs> yeah like <laughs> can you help me with something in 20 minutes i can this is an in-depth conversation <laughs> in the instructions it's like it, the the game might break like it's like it, it might throw you in a situation that is unwinnable i was like oh yes. man that's intense there's awesome subreddit threads about it where it's like people kind of commiserating together and like you, again you have the best laid plan and then the game's like this is where you spawn and this is the person you're trying to take down and it's all possible but sometimes very not probable mm. um and I, I don't think i'll make a run all the way through it it seems daunting but again it's free content 
um, added to this game that it's end game content, right? Like this is the hardest raid in your game of choice. And I, I love that they're doing this. And I, I love what this might mean for their James Bond game of like yeah. specking, setting up and going out to environments. If you have Hitman three, easy, easy recommend to redownload it or check it out again and just fire up freelancer just to play around for a hot minute, even if it doesn't stick for you. The game is gorgeous, man. It, and, and with DLSS three, if you're lucky enough to have a beefy GP to get that DLSS three going, Oh my goodness. The frame generation it's so silky beautiful. Oh, GeForce like Now. GeForce Now Ultimate. If you're in that upgraded tier, uh, yeah, the 480 tier has rolled out to your area. I played some of it on my Steam Deck that way with all the DLSS 3 stuff turned on. Very pretty. Uh, I um, I was very excited that they added a DLSS 3.0 to Marvel uh, Midnight Suns, which we talked a bit, a bit about earlier. Um, and it is, it's night and day. I, I am gobsmacked at, because I've been, I put in dozens of hours into Midnight Suns already. I was excited to jump in to see the DLSS 3.0 improvements and to play the Deadpool DLC. And just putting it in that mode, it's unbelievable the, the, the way, how much it looks better, in my opinion. How, the frame generation, the, the super sampling, the, it just looks unbelievably good it is so i mean i've run out of adjectives it's incredible it's incredible anyway uh been digging the dlc as well the deadpool dlc um deadpool is so much fun in this game uh i i love how marvel midnight suns uses the card battling system and finds ways to make the cards for any specific marvel hero really fit that hero like Spider-Man has a bunch of uh, chained attacks that he can fly, zip around and, and attack people. You know, he uses his spider sense. There's, there's nuances to his deck of cards that you can unlock and upgrade and, and get new cards and add, but they have a very Spider-Man sensibility. Um, magic, the character Magic, who is a, a X-Man, an X-Men character, um, she can't you know she just makes creates portals so she's constantly creating portals around the battlefield a lot of the cards use the portal mechanic and and the the specific mechanical elements of the cards not even just theme but the mechanical elements uh, are often that way too for example blade the vampire hunter character uh from marvel lore uh he, he he does a lot of bleed effects so he'll do damage over time he'll if you attack someone it'll add bleed to them um Stuff like that. Uh, Captain Marvel, she, if you do enough uh, attacks, you get a card that instantly comes into your deck that lets her go binary, which turns her into this big glowing ball of light that, you know, doubles her damage on all of her attacks. It's awesome. So many cool things. So the DLC that they just introduced introduced Deadpool into the game. And his cards, if you do certain things, add what's called Enfuego. <laughs> So he has levels of Enfuego that add certain bonuses to his attacks and certain, he can do things if he's in Fuego. Uh, it's great. And the writing for that character, I think is better than, it, he just, it, it's very, you know, breaking the fourth wall, um, very meta, very jokey. And the jokes are, I think, very well done. Uh, I think the, uh, the breaking of the, there's a, there's a scene, for example, in one of the cutscenes, 
where uh, uh, you know he sees footprints of the bad guy going off, you know, like bloody footprints, and he goes, "Ah, I guess the level designer says that it's it's that way," you know, stuff like that, and and it, you know he'll do it he'll do attacks where he looks at the camera and winks and puts the thumbs up, you know, it's great. It, there's a lot of fun. In in fact, it makes me want a Deadpool video game. Like a, a, I know there was one in like 2011, 2012, some long long ago. But before the Ryan Reynolds movies were really taken off, and I think they could, I think they could make a great Deadpool video game based on this version of the character from Midnight Suns. I think it would be great. Anyway, I'm having a blast with the Deadpool DLC, and the best thing about it, honestly, from somebody that's played a, a lot of Marvel Midnight Suns is that it finally introduces some new bad guys, some new enemy types into the game. Uh, the DLC involves a lot of vampires, uh, vampire attacks. So there's like these vampire minions uh, that are really nasty. They, they'll add the bleed effect onto your cards. So if you want to use a card, all of a sudden it has a, you, you'll take a bleed effect on yourself. Really clever way of doing that. Um, and I just I really felt like the game needed some new enemy types. I'm very curious how the next DLCs will work because the next DLC I think is supposed to add Venom into the game, but Venom is already in the game, so it's like, like oh, you're going right? to get to play as Venom instead of just fight Venom. Yeah, and he'll work the same way that you fought. It's like, well, that's not exciting. I want a new character, so I'm a little less. And then I guess the third DLC is Morbius, which I'm like, I couldn't be less excited about Morbius. But Morbin time? You're not excited mm. for some Morbin time? No. But how can Deadpool you spoil? Works great. Can you do you feel comfortable spoiling how they introduce Deadpool to the mansion? Because that's kind of what I want to know is like, what's the conceit for these DLC characters just like showing up on their motorcycle and being like, hey, guys, no, I'm here, too. You go out on a mission and you run into Deadpool. And interestingly, like the first uh, few Deadpool, like the Deadpool DLC missions Usually you have three characters in Midnight Suns. You have three characters that you can comprise your team out of. And it makes you do them as a duo, which I thought was very interesting. So um, the first one is, is like your, your hunter character is like the main character of the game and uh, Deadpool. And then the second one is Blade and Deadpool. Anyway, it's interesting. But basically the idea is that he was hired to, uh, to do this heist because he's a heist artist. Um, and he was trying to do this heist and then all these vampires show up and he's like, Oh, what's that? And, um, he does not get the thing he was supposed to get. And so he's worried that his, uh, employer will, uh, get him. I'm not going to say who the employer is, but it's very cool. If you're a Marvel fan, who his employer is. Um, but he's like on the, on the lamb because he's like, my employer is going to kill me if, if they find out. So I better hide Let's maybe I'll hide at that mansion with you guys. So that's that's the conceit. But then he's unlocked in the rest of the game. You can bring him on any of the other missions. You don't have to just do the Deadpool yeah. DLC stuff with him. You can use him. You you'll have talks with him in the way you do. You'll date him. You know the way you have the dating sim and the rest of Midnight Suns. You can take him fishing and on long walks and stuff. And I feel like that stuff integrates with the Deadpool character really well, though, yeah, honestly. And like for again, for Deadpool to be self-aware of it, it's like, yeah, we could be saving the world, but sure, let's go fishing or whatever, yeah. however he's written. It's very um, smart. I think, I, I think that it's very clever awesome. writing. It's very funny and very self-referential. And it talks, you know, it, it, it talks like the player. He'll like look at the camera, you know, it's, it's, 
it's very fun. I'm. But how does it connect to Ant Man? Because that's what I want to know. Is uh, Ant Man out here this month? I'm curious. Yeah. You know what the you know yeah, crypto in hard. it? Like how that would be hard. How does it? <laughs> um, a couple other things I want to mention that I've been playing. Um, one of them is a game called Power Chord, which is an indie game. It's a roguelite card battler. So you know I'm already there. I'm already in. Already excited. I love roguelikes. I love card battlers. This game should be right up my alley. And in one sense, it is. But in another sense, I feel like there's so many other better versions of what this game does. Uh, so I won't talk about it too long. But and I, and I don't like, you know, dumping on a game that's it's, it's a small little indie game. Anyway, it's probably doesn't it's not going to sell millions of copies. But there might it might be an audience for it. So the thing about Power Chord is it's set in this sort of you know, post-apocalyptic style world where everything is heavy metal. It's like this, you're a part of a band, you fight other bands, but it's kind of like Mad Maxi band <clears throat> where, you know, you, 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 ha- you, con- you construct your team, your, the, your group of uh, attackers. You can have drummers and bassists and lead guitarists and stuff. And each of those is a type, is a, is a class of a character and has their own deck of cards that you can upgrade and improve uh, and uh, work in very different ways. You know, like the bassist is going to have a completely different style of battling than the drummer, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and I think that would be really cool that like for some folks, I think that alone is a hook, like this notion of playing a rock and roll band, like this heavy metal kind of, you know, that, that, uh, the cliche of what heavy heavy metal is, you know, like like the movie heavy metal. Um, I think that's probably a draw for a, a lot of folks, and and there's a lot of that styling in the game. That aesthetic is prominent. Is the, the whole game is wrapped in that. I kind of just wish it would go, have gone further uh, with that because I think it would be really cool as if as you were fighting, you were also creating music. Because the idea is you're a band and you're like. You're you know shooting something at the bad guys, and but it's not really how it works at all, right? You just do your thing, and it could be any. It's just a a theme that has been pasted on a serviceable card battling system, uh, which there's nothing wrong with the card battling system. It works well. It's good, but there's nothing special about making it about this rock and roll band, this this heavy metal band. And it could have been special. It could have been like, oh my gosh, if I do this attack and that attack or this defend card and that attack, oh, I'm creating a musical symphony. I'm creating this song at the same time. Like it could have worked that way, but it doesn't. And that's a bummer. And there's kind of nothing special about the fact that you're a rock band. It's just like, it's just a stand in for any other class of, of characters that you would find in any other game like this. And it kind of just doesn't do anything any better than any other game, does it? it? It's perfectly serviceable and perfectly fine. And if you're super into that aesthetic, maybe you'll dig it. But for me, it just felt a little, um, a little underwhelming, a little samey to uh, other better card game, card battling games. You know, like why am I playing this and not Slay the Spire or you know Monster Train or any of the other millions of these that are very good. So that's power cord. I hate to kind of rag on it because it's fine, but that's about all. It's fine, you know. 
I also want to mention I've been playing so many I've been playing so many games just to see them with DLSS 3.0. So I'm sure I'll be talking about those more later. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, playing games with my son, Jack, who I've talked a bit about before, who is obsessed with Mario. One of the things he got for his um, for Christmas was uh, <laughs> an SD card, <laughs> more storage on the Switch. So what we did, because he was like, Dad, I, you know, I'm running out of space. I don't have, I can't play all the games. I have to just pick and choose. And I was like, okay. So I looked back over my catalog of games that I've ever owned on Switch. And I was like, I could download some of these games. And one of the games we downloaded was Mario Tennis Aces. And we have been playing that together. And I got to tell you guys, it has been some of the most fun multiplayer gaming I have ever had with anybody. It's like... Wait, more than when we played? Way more than when we played. Oh, man. <laughs> no, no, it was great when we played. It was great when we played. But we played like twice, you know, at work a couple of times. <laughs> right? I mean, we were at work, to be fair. But yeah, yeah we weren't <laughs> supposed to be doing that. But... Uh, it's been like the dream of of playing with my kids. Like I, I you know, I, I, Jack is really into Super Smash Brothers. Never been my kind of game. He loves Mario Kart. We've been having fun playing Mario Kart, but but Mar- Aces. Like I am playing at the height of my ability, and we're we're having these like squeaker matches where it could go either way. And he's learned how to, you know, he's learned how to uh, lob the ball over my head if I try to serve and volley and come up to the net and play things. And oh, it's been just these incredibly epic battles, couch co-op, sitting next to each other, playing tennis. It's been so much fun, so much fun. It's like the dream that I always had about uh, playing video games with my kids. It's like, oh my gosh, someday I'll have this situation where I'm not, you know, purposely losing or playing something I'm not interested in or whatever it is that it's like, it's just a blast. Anyway, highly recommend it. If you have never played Mario tennis aces uh, and you have kids, it's a game that is super easy to wrap your head around, you know, low barrier of entry, but high skill cap. Like you can play it at a high level and you can get to the high level pretty quickly. It, it just really is a very well-made game and super fun. And because he already loves Mario and the characters, it's like, it's a win-win. Peachy, do you couch co-op at all? Is that still, because listening to you, Jeff, talk about it, I was thinking about like my time as an early gamer and if if that's lost or not. And I'm curious, Peachy, if that's something that you feel is maybe lost or if you think there is still enough of it and enough of an appetite for it to be, you know, rewarding for quote unquote gaming. Well, I mean, just hearing Jeff talk about it, obviously it's, it's <laughs> rewarding and worth it. And and like, I'm so proud of Nintendo for providing those experiences and, and making them genuinely good games. That's the thing. Yeah. They could just put out something quick and cheap and easy and say, Hey, play it with your kids. And like you said, you know, you could kind of be letting them win or kind of, you know, like playing it just because you want to play with them. And um, so like props to them for, for doing it well. And I definitely think there's still a market for that because of that, wanting to play with your kids, wanting to play and, and, you know, with your roommates, with, you know, if you're in college and, 
you know, when I was little, I, you know, played Super Nintendo with my sister and that was a huge part of my childhood. And I, I wouldn't want anybody nowadays just because of modern consoles to, to miss out on that. It's a great point. You're right. It could easily be shovelware and they've never, you know, they've never, they've always taken very good care of the Mario family of characters and they, they, you know, they'll put them in anything, you know, they'll put them in a soccer game, they'll put them in a tennis game, they'll put them in anything, but those games are good. They, they take the care and the time and the effort to make them good. And you're so right. It's like, it's good on them for actually, you know, yes, they're, <laughs> they're, they're putting Mario in everything. And so in one sense, it's, it's, you know, it's not taking care of the character, but, but they are taking care of the character because that means it's like having Mario in the thing is a seal of quality. Yes. Cool. I, I feel like Mario is just like uh, me as a kid and my children now. Yeah, they play guitar. Yeah, are we are we playing tennis now? Yeah, give mom. I need a tennis racket. Oh, not rock <laughs> climbing. I'm into it. Baseball. Let's go. You know, like you, you name it. Mario's there, and he. Get, <laughs> Uh, other, I need I need a, I need a plumber hat. Why? I'm playing baseball today. Okay, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> the other thing that we uh, reinstalled, and and this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about all episode about live service games and the inability to revisit them years later. Right. The other one is Jack has really loved um, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, and I talked a lot about. I put it on my top five of the year. I've loved playing the game. I've loved playing it and watching it through his eyes and seeing how he plays the game. It's been a, a blast playing that together. Well, I realized, oh, I had Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle as an old, you know, game I had long since removed from the Switch, but now we have room. I could reinstall it. I was like, hey, do you want to play the, the first version of this? Because you never played it, son. I'll he said yes. When so, this game was the first, yeah, hey right. kid, let me take you back to Remember three years ago two, when you were <laughs> two years ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. back in my day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My day, three years ago when you were three. Um, Half anyway, your so, life ago, but just a blink of mine ago, just a just a short blink. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So I reinstalled Kingdom Battle, and I thought, oh, he, you know, he'll play that. It's, it's a very different game, and I'm sure he'll pick it up and, and have a good time. And he started did, but he also discovered that something I didn't even realize that Mario plus Rabbids kingdom battle has a multiplayer mode. It has a versus mode where you each pick some Mario and rabid characters, build your team. It puts you on a map against each other and you play XCOM versus each other. And it's been awesome. And sparks of hope does not have that mode. They abandoned it in the sequel and it's such a bummer, but man, it's been so much fun because it's like playing a board game against him, you know, a tactical board game where, where you know, it's your turn. Okay, I'm going to watch and, see, you know, I'm going to sit back and then, oh, it's my turn. I'm going to sit forward and do my moves and who can defeat each other fastest. You crush him in this, right? It's his turn. Oh, idiot. Oh, idiot. Dude. Rook to J4. Oh, you dumb, dumb. I, I, don't know I wish I means. could tell you that I've been crushing him in it. And there's been a couple of times where I have crushed him, but he holds his own, man. I mean, he's he's uh he's played a lot you, of you play yeah you play and he's like dad uh you've been doing too many podcasts because buddy boy over here has been practicing the other thing is he talks a lot of smack which i don't know where he picked that up from because that's not i don't do that his mom doesn't do that we don't do that i think it's a school kids at school thing but he talks a lot he's like oh dad i just crushed you i'm like what what yeah I mean, he does crush me, so I guess it's fair, but... He's letting you win. 
He's like, Dad, yeah. get good. <laughs> I'm actually I'm I'm listening to his podcast in my other ear, and he was saying that tennis is the game that he it's so cute because you think you can compete with him and he's been letting you <laughs> win some so it's yeah. very good it, yeah. the show's very like, good you know when you play with your dad you just gotta let him win a few times so he <laughs> wants to keep playing with you it's cute you know he talked about video games and i actually play them yeah so i just want to you know that's, that's what my kids would say why do you talk about games when, when we were the ones who played them today <laughs> Because you live the life that I wish I was. I'm doing your dishes. <laughs> I saw you get a victory royale, but that was on my account, so it counts for my battle pass. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm. Uh, I, I hope you can't hear it in my voice, but I am. Uh, I'm. I'm exhausted. I have. I have COVID again for the second time. I may have mentioned that already. It is. It is not fun. It's not fun. Uh, but it has been a delight having Aurora Peachy on the show. Aurora, this, this is the end of the show. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But, but Peachy, thank you so much for being here. I, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and it's so awesome to finally have you here. Thank you for being on. Oh, this has been a delight. I'm sitting here with the biggest smile on my face. Uh, like, this, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for asking me on. Absolutely. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the awesome stuff that you do online. I am Aurora Peachy everywhere, just like you see on the screen. And uh, I stream on Twitch multiple times every week and uh, make a YouTube video now and then. Love doing reaction videos and just talking about the geeky things that we love. We have a community where we just love what we love and just love it shamelessly, no matter our age, no matter our gender. Geeky things are for everyone. and Everyone can enjoy them, uh, and that's what we try to promote in our community. So, love it, yeah. love it, very cool. That is our message as well. I think that why why we align so well. So, very very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? I'm working on the next installment of my newsletter, which maybe I, I mentioned on last week's show. But you can subscribe for free at tinyletter.com/slash Christian Spicer. It's where I do long-form, conversational-style writing about video games. And this upcoming, about one or two a month. This upcoming one is about the difference in interactivity uh, and what that I think brings to people in terms of playing or experiencing middle-grade reviewed. Things, why you might listen to a so-so album, but won't want to watch a so-so first episode of a TV show, or why you won't want to give a so-so video game a try, and kind of dissecting that, um, and how interact interactivity can both elevate a property and also hurt it by adding that level of interactivity. So again, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer, you can find that. And then David Chen and I are breaking down each episode of The Last of Us as they air on HBO. And you can find all of those over at Decoding TV, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and we do bonus episodes that are just for paid folks over at DecodingTV.com, where we do more of uh, differences from the game and talk about the show as it relates to the game and how those things have changed and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then you can also listen to the official The Last of Us podcast where um, myself and the folks who made the games over at Naughty Dog walk through those games, the decisions, the emotion behind it, what it was like creating them. And then we dropped one bonus episode that talks about uh, we recorded before the HBO show had aired, but after they had wrapped. 
So we have to talk about that stuff. And then at the end of the season, I believe is when it's uh, dropping, we have another bonus episode that we're going to put out talking about kind of the season as a whole and how that went. So if you're clamoring for more Last of Us, you can find it over at Decoding TV or the official The Last of Us podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Very cool. Uh, I have other podcasts for you as well, if you're so inclined. Uh, I do the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I do a sports show called Fan Controlled Show. You can find that on the Fan Controlled Sports uh, YouTube and Twitch and uh, podcast channels. Uh, and I also do We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show. Uh, you can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Peachy, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I am going to suggest a website called archiveofourown.org which is uh, really the go-to place on the internet for fan fiction. Do you have any particular fan fiction? I I'm guessing you're uh, into some, maybe some Final Fantasy. What, what, do, you, what do you recommend? Oh, I, I mostly read Kingdom Hearts, personally. Oh, Kingdom Hearts, uh, yes. But you can find just about anything on there. It has uh, more than 56,000 fandoms that people have written for, um, over 10 million, 10 and a half million works. Wow. And uh, it is all free. All written by fans. I have never dipped into the world of fan fiction. Is it is it easy to find the good stuff, or do you often have to read a bunch of stuff that you're not maybe not as uh, not so well written? The great thing about um, archiveofourown.org um, or AO3 for short is that um, it's got a fantastic tagging and filtering system. Oh, great. So you can pretty much find exactly what you're looking for. You can look for specific characters, pairings, ratings, um, tags, tropes, anything. And if it's a popular fandom that has, you know, thousands and or tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of works, you can narrow it down to whatever you are looking for. Is it all just uh sassy time, lovey dovey stuff? Or is it is there, you know, like is that is that where you go there for any rating you can think of okay. is on there from mm -hmm. the most wholesome, fluffy, cutesy stuff to the other side. <laughs> awesome. Well there you go. Fan fiction. Get I, I gotta I've never actually read any fan fiction. So maybe I should I should give it a shot. That sounds like a great suggestion. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Jeff Kanata said he's never read any fan fiction. He says as he scrawls down in his notebook that Christian Spicer is in fact his best friend. In fact, <laughs> if there was a friend better than a best friend, it would be Christian. He keeps this note secret in a place that only he can see. He'll never tell Christian this, but deep down he knows that Christian knows. And one day they'll do a podcast where Jeff will slip up and he'll mention the fact that he and Christian are in fact friends and have been for years, nay, a decade. Anyway. That's all for now. Ta-ta, he says as he taps the note on his bedside table. Um, mine is a little uh, uh, joke-inducing, perhaps even then some people might say fan fiction. Ha, ha, ha. There's some great fan fiction. I have read some great fan fiction. Um, we've talked about it on the Wednesday show, I think. I don't know if we ever mentioned it on the main show. Um, get a bidet, a washlet toilet seat, if you may. Mm. Um, ours was a 
difficult process to get it because the place where we live has these dumb, dumb toilets that are like, we did not put them here, but just a pain, like a washlet toilet seat. The beauty of it is you can probably do it yourself in like two minutes. It's like changing a toilet seat. You just hook it to the thing and you plug it in and you plop it in and you've got this amazing bathroom experience. Ours was not that. So it took longer, but just well worth it. Just, ah, just an incredible bathroom experience. Did you get the heated you get the yes. heated one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I Man, um it's the best. I everybody. I bought when I went down this rabbit hole, no pun achieved. Um I, I uh, say. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old it's an old Steve yeah. Martin line. No pun intended. No pun achieved. Um the uh <clears throat> I got the warming one, but I was too lazy to hook up because it's much easier to hook it up to not warming because you're you're the water's already like going there, not warmed. Yeah. But in order to get the hot water to go, you have to do a whole bunch of stuff that I was just too lazy to do. And so my wife very upset at me that there was only a blast of very cold water uh, up in the nether regions. So yes, and, and I have to say different washlet seats are different. This one doesn't require like tapping into a hot water line or whatever. It's mm. you just regular water behind the toilet and then a plug, and that can be difficult for bathrooms. We had to it, it's it, it can be a thing, but honestly, I mean the 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 metaphor for it is like if you were to go uh, mountain biking and you came back and your mountain bike was all muddy, you want to take a paper towel and be like, time to clean my mountain bike. Right. You know, you, 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 or if you were to put your hand in poop, you yeah. wouldn't think, let me wipe this with the paper towel and call it a day. That seems like a very odd mountain biking <laughs> trip you're describing. No, you fall over the handlebars and you oh. land in um, a cow patty. It's very, <laughs> you haven't been in California for a while, but it's very typical out here. I see. It's very typical, I see. very typical day. But I love it. I love ours. If you are a little awkward or squeamish about it, the best way to get over that is to have it in your home where no one has to see how often you use it or, you know, what that discomfort might be like. And I think it is well worth the time, money, and investment. I, for the record, I thought the all cold version was very invigorating. That's just for the record. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Uh, you. My parting gift comes to us via our friend, friend of the show, Danish Syed, who I believe might actually make an appearance on the paid DLC program this week. Might be joining us for the, for the shenanigans. Uh, But he just put out a, a video on his YouTube channel. You can search for Danish Syed, S-Y-E-D. It's his last name spelling. Uh, his YouTube channel, or you can just search for Making the Grail Diary because he has recreated from scratch the Grail Diary that Indiana Jones's father has in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. This is the diary that... Uh, that oh, what's the name of Indiana Jones's dad? Sean Connery. Sean Connery. No, but what's his uh? uh Sean Connery the gives Jones. to ha- uh, Harrison. Anyway, it doesn't Ford. matter. Why can't I yeah. think of that? Boy, that's bad. I can tell I have COVID because my brain does not work. Anyway, it's an amazing prop from this movie, <clears throat> and Danish, through painstaking research, effort, and artistry, created from scratch. 
an exact duplicate and he's released a video on YouTube showing the process. And you see the laborious and incredible uh, process that he went through to do it in, in, in painstaking detail. It is amazing. I mean, literally a one-to-one exact duplicate of what they made in the movie. And it's, it's just astonishing to see uh, him do it. And he told me about it. Uh, when he was doing it, he described what he was doing, but to see his hands actually doing it, it's quite something to behold. And I highly recommend checking it out and maybe being inspired yourself to do something uh, that is just for you and and is, uh, you know, making something with your hands. I think, I don't know, it's, it's very inspiring to me to, to actually set out to do it. He just wanted to do it. And so he did it. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. I want the non... I want, I want like the Snyder cut version of it. Cause what he put out yeah. is kind of like time-lapsed and I want like, no, give me the 12 hour cut. Oh, you know, I told, of like, I told him, I'm like, this needs to be a documentary. You need to make yeah, a documentary so about you making this. Yeah. And then it ends with like Harrison Ford looking at it and making some, you know, dry joke about it not being that good the way Harrison, <laughs> Harrison yeah. Ford will do it. No, uh, but it is very good though. It is very it's good. Extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It's an yeah. amazing thing that he did. Um, and it's cool that he recorded the process anyway. Uh, we'll probably talk to him a little bit about that on, uh, on paid DLC as well this week. Uh, we also got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent from Pat from Ontario, Canada, uh, who says, I-, I wanted to share a new fan film that was, Hey, we talked about fan fiction. Here's a fan film, fan film that was just released that I think you'll enjoy. It's a 14 minute short based on the dead space franchise. And given the modest $18,000 budget in Canadian dollars, I think that's only like 15 bucks American. <laughs> that's very inexpensive, this movie. Uh, I think the creators did an incredible job capturing the tone of the much-beloved game. Give it a watch. I think you'll enjoy it. It's called Rancid Cargo. Uh, so this is on YouTube. You can search for uh, Rancid Cargo, uh, the D- Dead Space fan film. Um, I watched it. Uh, it, it, you know, it is, um, it's amazing what they managed to do with such a sh- small budget. I mean, it does feel like a small budget at the beginning, but man, as it, as it goes on, like it, it delivers, it delivers on that. So it's pretty impressive. Uh, it felt like these were very in vogue, you know, about a decade ago and then they stopped, people stopped making them. And now uh, maybe, maybe they didn't stop making it. Maybe I just stopped noticing, but um, it's cool to see somebody making a dead space fan film. Thank you, Pat, for sending that to us. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Aurora Peachy and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick Star, uh, excuse me, Patrick L, Zero Star, and Sean Madigan for making those fun bumpers. Uh, thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. If you'd like to get swag on our show, I'm wearing some right now. Uh, t-shirts, hats, you can go to dlcswag.com. Thanks to Jesse J. Anderson for setting that up. Uh, and we also want to thank our patrons who make the show possible. Thank you, patrons. In fact, our top tier patrons, our hype train patrons, get their names read out at the end of every episode, which I'm going to do right now. Dearest Hype Train patrons, thank you so much for supporting this show. It, it means the world to us, and it is my great honor to read the names this week. Thank you, Taylor Wigert, Josh Peake, 
Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis, Soren Silk, which I'll be honest, every every time I read that, I think like when do we are we going to get Silk Song, right? Like it was within 12 months from the Xbox showcase and it's like I feel like I have the calendar is what which Simpsons is it where Bart's just like crossing off the anyway, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you Yick, Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, Comedian Aaron Trahan, Sharuken, Scott Lambert, Joe D. Frank, Stephen, Seifert, Taylor, Buckwild, Broad, Rob, Wonder Rob, Dominez, Kevin, Ed A, Brian Jordan, Hyperboy66, David Epp, John Sisko, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Anthony Gulas, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Demby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Will, with one Al Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Ben, Kevin Brazil, Stu Goss, Jonathan, the Spice Man Forever, Schlepplefer, Albert for Helder Dios, the Spice Man Silencer, who Mark for Marketing got silenced today too. I just don't know what he would have added to the conversation, but I do feel I see the call waiting from him often. So maybe, maybe next week Mark will show up. I, I, there's a lot of marketing talk to happen. Mike Lombardo, Michael Buck, Peter Olberg, Jad, Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratziu, Jason Novak. Thank you all so much. Chew, chew, chew. I mean, this is the only place the hype train exists now with E3 going the way it's. No, I made the prediction that E3 would be great this year, Jeff. I did, so I'm standing by it. It's going to be great. Choo-choo, baby. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.